Hello, you're listening to Rosie and Jessica's Day of Fun, episode 53, Clocks and Pickles. Enjoy the show. I'm Rosie. I'm Jessica. And you're listening to Rosie Rosie and and Jessica's Jessica's Day Day of Fun. Fun. I forgot to say the C in the middle of your name, I'm really sorry. (laughs) Jessica. Hi Jessica, how's it going? Happy Sunday morning. It's going well, Rosie. Thank you. Happy Sunday to you and happy British summertime. Oh, I know. Look at the weather. Of course, I have been praying for this kind of weather because obviously this is my spirit weather. And <laughs> it's it's finally come on the day British summertime starts, which I think is a great sign for the summer ahead, summer to come. Just to explain to anyone who isn't aware, Rosie's spirit weather, which is not a thing, um, is grey and overcast and miserable. Preferably raining. Yeah. The rain really makes it. If it's overcast, it's a little, you know, sad. But it's raining. I've just eaten a hot breakfast. I had beans on toast. I've made a big pot of tea, which was the greyest thing I've ever seen, apart from this weather. Am I right? So I had to put a second bag in the pot. Well, yeah, it's always one for you, one for the pot. Oh, no. I'm a one bag, one pot woman. That's what they call me. This is conceivably peak Britain. Oh, tea and rain, is it? I'm in a queue. You just stand in a queue to um Greek minds. Well that's embarrassing. And are you aware what the time is? Because the clocks have gone forward and I reset the clock on my oven first try. Didn't even have to look anything up, just went bip loop well done, bip, you. done. Well the clock on my oven is never set because I turn it off between uses. Oh. Well, I've not had a watch for the past four weeks. And as you know, I obsessively not even your wear a sleeping watch. watch. Okay, I'd like to stress that I stopped wearing a bedtime watch quite some time ago and just continued to wear my daytime watch to sleep in, which is, to me, weirder, but apparently is fine, according to you, and it's strange to put on a different watch to sleep in. Why do you sleep in a watch? Because if I wake in the night, I need to know what time it is. That's why the good Lord invented smartphones. It's 10.54, by the way. Yeah, but I don't like to look at my smartphone, because then I might be like, oh, but I need to know what people on the East Coast are saying, because they might still be up, because I now know what the time is. So instead, I used to swatch. Swatch? I used to swap. That would be 5.54. Okay, good for you. I used to swap from my analog handy watch. That's the official term, isn't it? Yeah, analog is a real word. Yes. To a digital watch with a light up fascia so that when I woke yeah. in the night, I could press the button and a little green light would emanate the time at me on a digital watch. And then Jessica found out that I had a sleeping watch and this is apparently <laughs> not acceptable. <laughs> that yeah. every night I'd get into bed and switch watches now in retrospect <laughs> that I try and describe it I understand it's not what you might term usual behaviour no it's absolutely not anyway what I'm trying to say is my daytime all time watch I don't have a sleeping watch anymore I'm 25 don't judge me Is does not have a working battery so I've not been wearing a watch for four weeks and it's a brave new world but it meant that when I woke up, all of the time pieces... I mean, I, I mocked you for saying that using an, a smartphone, I woke up and checked the time on an iPad, which is just... It makes you feel like a borrower with a smartphone. When you did have your sleeping watch, it did mean you could legitimately walk into a room and go, has anyone seen my other timepiece? <laughs> Jar. Jar. Jessica. Rosie. Yesterday, our parents came for lunch. Did they? Yes, I forgot to tell you this. They came over oh, for lunch. Nice. You know Why? Because our father wanted to watch a football match that was being broadcast. 
And we found out about 30 minutes into the game, it wasn't even his team. Um, well, I'm assuming he knew that. No, he knew that. He didn't... <laughs> Hang on, these people aren't wearing their... I thought the away strip had changed. Why are they wearing blue? He thought he'd come over to watch his his team, but they weren't being broadcast on television. It was his team in number one. Places two and four were playing each other. Right. And he was having absolute conniptions over people... It doesn't even... I mean, obviously, the outcome affects his team. I have never seen five minutes of extra time go so slowly. So they came over, and uh, I'd made a lovely curry and a lovely lemon sponge, which we did have as separate meals, because I had a curry with lemon sponge for pudding the other night, and it was weird. It was a bit school's dinner I was way too full, and I ate it all in bed. <laughs> and I got chicken... I've actually got curry on these pyjamas. Um, I'm doing fine. I'm a success. They came over, we had curry, then we had cake, but also uh, we had green juice because I am now the proud owner, and I say proud, I am now the slightly ashamed owner of a Nutribullet. Yeah, you are. It can mill things. It's incredibly noisy though, isn't it? Um, I've been near louder juices. Okay. I once used an industrial juicer because of the time when I worked in that organic grocery store and they didn't have enough people to work in the food to go bit, so they, in 15 minutes, trained me to make all of the drinks and then I burnt myself and got sent home because you do not let people use a big coffee machine if they have never been taught to use make a coffee machine and if they don't drink coffee so I had no idea what any of the beverages were <laughs> oh yeah I remember that that was quite funny well it, I mean I got quite bad burns not that bit just the ah right. here you put an apron on and they were like can I have an Americano uh, can you I mean technically yes you are allowed to will you have one who's to say anyway that juicer was enormous this one is is fine and you can put almonds in and they just get all i put almonds in a smoothie and they just disappeared into they just nothing disappear. yeah they just disappear and you think was there any point putting those almonds in so i drank some chard i accidentally drank cabbage i didn't mean to it was fine so i was considering getting a juicer which segues beautifully into what i have written down for my intro you bought a juicer no. That would be good though, wouldn't it? Uh, Fat, Sick and Nearly Dead 2 is on Netflix. But what that mostly leads into is the fact that I finally watched Super Size Me. How have you never watched that? I love that film. I think I watched about the first 15 minutes or so about eight years ago. Thought, this looks, this is interesting. I'm interested to watch this. Bye! Never came back to it. And uh, it's been in my Netflix queue for the past two years and I finally got around to watching it and it's uh, really good, as I knew it would be, to be honest. Did I tell you that I started watching Country File and it was making me turn vegan? You did not know. Although the, all the places they go to, all the animals are obviously super well looked after and it's, they're all very nice people and they're nice farms. Same time I'm like, hmm, farming, eh? Should cows live in metal sheds? They should roam the woods. Where Brilliant. do you think cows live? They're not woodland creatures. On mountains? The animals of farthing wood didn't have a cow in it. Imagine a cow trying to cross a motorway. Yeah, that's because they're all in a farm. Where that pheasant got shot. And the hedgehogs rolled up. Da, 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 and the baby da, mice got, da, da, got put on a gorse bush by some sort of mean bird. A shrike. I don't even know if shrikes are real birds. I think there might be some kind of cryptozoological thing invented for <laughs> animals of farthing wood. Oh yeah, it's a bird that tortures baby woodland animals. It's a metaphor. It's an objective correlative. I don't even know what that means. It's the use of a specific object or image to more easily capture or define an abstract thought or idea. So a metaphor. Basically, yeah. Okay. No, I, I like pretentious 
literary terms. I'll use that in a sentence. I hope I don't see you. Whatever you said. Shall I do my song? Yes, please. Okay, my song for this week is Harbour Boys by Joel Plaskett, Emergency. Joel Plaskett was born in 1975 in Lunenburg, Nova Scotia, and Emergency are his backup band. What happened to the first band? There was an emergency. Uh, uh, And the song is taken from their album Scrappy Happiness. And I first discovered them on the Vinyl Cafe podcast. We've had some good tips from there for Canadian music. I, I'm sure that's not the first uh, song that I've, I've taken from I've there. had two. And may I say, well done on being prepared with your facts so we don't debate whether Bruce Springsteen is actually from Philadelphia, which he's not. Top fives! Top fives. Now, we put out a call on Facebook, Twitter, um, a, a, an enormous sort of horn we have stationed on the top of a hill, requesting topics for future top fives. So, dear listener, if you have any topics for future top fives that you would like us to cover, that you think, I like thinking about this thing, but I haven't put it in a numerical order. Obviously, they're not in a particular order, but yeah. Then you can do so. You can tweet us at the Day of Fun Show, or you can email us at hello at rosieandjessica.co.uk. So please get in touch with your future top fives. This came from a suggestion from friend of the show, Sonia. And this ties in perfectly, top five quizzes, with tonight, if I edit this today, the final of Only Connect, the popular intellectual quiz show. So we're going to be bringing you our top five quiz brackets and game in small letters show. Jessica, it's an odd-numbered week. Please introduce your top fives. As we all know, I love a quiz. So, in no particular order, my top five quizzes are... Number one is Only Connect. I love Only Connect so much. I do. It's just... It's so clever. It is super smart, and it makes no bones about the fact that it's unashamedly intellectual. Um, It's a lot of non-verbal reasoning, as opposed to general knowledge. Yes, so although you need general knowledge... The questions aren't asking you for factual answers. The best way I can describe it is how I described it when we had some American friends to visit, which (laughs) is that Only Connect is the cutaway gag in an American TV show where they are mocking a British TV show. It is like a programme that you would expect to be made up. It is a programme where you have to find the connection between four seemingly random clues or find a sequence or sort out 16 clues into four sets of four or the final round which is of course the best round which is the missing vowels round which is where they take words or phrases take all the vowels out and you have to say what it is and it's so bonkers when you select a question in the first two series you used to select uh, a greek letter so it'd be alpha beta people emailed in and said this is a little snobbish and intellectual oh, are you pretentious having all greek letters and they said oh we- we've taken this on board so we're changing it from this series we'll be having egyptian hieroglyphs so now you select two reeds or twisted flax it's brilliant i love it so much and the script writers are obviously mad mad having a lovely old time it's hosted by victoria Corin mitchell and she has the most bizarre introductions and goodbye segments the exits are even worse by worse, I mean better. A lot of them British. just sort of end with her staring dead-eyed into the camera, saying <laughs> goodbye, after some very weird comment. The missing vowels round is my favourite five minutes of television in a week. Uh, second, 
Number two. Number two. I have the news quiz. Yes. On Radio 4. I'm sure we've talked about this because I'm sure it was in my top five radio shows. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a predecessor of Have I Got News For You. It's a satirical look at... Uh, the week's news. Topical subjects and the week's news, things in the headlines, um, but done in the form of a quiz. Hosted by Sandy Toxvig, regular panellist Jeremy Hardy. It's very, very funny. And you can download it as a podcast. And this week, late March 2015, for anyone going through the archives, BJ Novak was on it. Fire guy, fire guy. Speaking of podcasts, uh, up next I have Ask Me Another, which is from NPR, which is also similar in only connects to the non-linear format of quiz. It's always things like, uh, using the information we've given in this question, come up with this portmanteau of a band and a type of cheese, but it's set to a tune, and it's funny, and then Jonathan Colton plays the guitar, and Afira Eisenberg is just, she's really cool. I love quizzes so much. I like a podcast that I can shout out. I mean, I shout out and join in on all podcasts I listen to because I'm an angry old man waving a cane on my porch. That's not what I wanted. Uh, Next up, I have Nevermind the Buzzcocks. Because it's really funny. It's a music-based quiz. I mean, the the quiz portion of the show is sort of slightly secondary to oh, the nonsense minimal. portion of I the show. Oh, minimal. I think they aren't maybe six questions across the half hour. Buzz, I haven't watched Buzzcocks in years. I, I'll come out now. It's currently on my top five. Who knows it will be still on my top five by the time I do mine. But it was yeah. in its peak when I was watching it in, like, 2006, I'm going to say, when Simon Amstel took over. And he's the most deadpan kind of slightly vicious <laughs> panel show host one can imagine and they had these weird recurring things with this guy called Appleston he was in the lineup a lot Appleston had been in it for years he was there when Mark Lamar did it oh there was that freaky guy in the denim overalls with the boss yes. eye that they yes. put the sunglasses on and he came back once and dressed as a pirate yep <laughs> actually I think everyone else was dressed as a pirate and he was still there in his dungarees with the intros round. It's a fun game to play. We mentioned it on uh, a show a couple of weeks ago. It's where you did. sing the introduction to a song and you have to stop before the lyrics kick in and hope that the person you are singing at understands what song you are singing. And finally, QI. Um, I like QI very much. I do. Buzzcocks QI, see or so, mock the week. See also, have I got news for you? I watched an awful lot of in my mid to late teens, religiously, one might say, and don't really watch them at all now. But QI especially was my my go to comfort viewing. I own the first three series on DVD, and I used to watch them as as a sort of visual televisual hug. I've seen those episodes quite a lot, but now they're on you know series K and John Bishop's on it, and I'm like, mm, webs. Well, I still enjoy it. But the podcast, excellent. Yes, um, No Such Thing as a Fish is very entertaining. And again, QI is one of those uh, shows where actually the the quiz portion is not as important. For one, no one knows how the scoring works. Literally no one. No, and being able to answer the questions is a disadvantage because they are set up to usually what you expect to be the answer be wrong. So if you yeah. try and give what you think is the answer, you'll probably get the klaxon and lose 10 points. But if you do get the klaxon, there is an ointment for that, so. <laughs> Shall I do mine? Yes. I've put number one QI, because although I was quite disparaging about it, I have a lot of affection for it. Number two, 
only connect. Missing vowels. Number three, university challenge. I like university challenge because that is very question based. That is, what is the answer to this question? Hurry up. Why don't you know the answer? Move on. Well, that's the thing. It's Paxman bringing the exact same question asking style that he had on Newsnight to teenagers. Oh, what's that? Some bragging coming along. I was the reserve for my university one year to be on university challenge. Because oh, you? Uh, I was the, the fifth. But I, I then turned this down. I turned it down because it clashed with a panto I was performing in. Of course it did. And I thought, well, I'm definitely going to be in this panto, but it's quite unlikely that I will be on University Challenge. So I then dropped out of being the reserve. And that was fine because the reserve didn't get used and my team absolutely steamrolled my team, the York team. And the panto was a terrific success. Thanks entirely, of course, to my presence. Yes, I like University Challenge. None of these imbeciles on it know any pop culture, which would be all I could bring to the table. Yes, I I suspect that would be me also. But I do always feel really pleased and smug when I get the answer to the question right. Number four. Pointless. Pointless is the programme Family Fortunes in reverse. So in Family Fortunes, there will be a topic and you have to try and guess what most people say when they hear that topic. In Pointless, you have to try and get one that the least number of people have said. So the aim is to try and get an answer, a pointless answer, that nobody has said. And it's very funny because they introduce everything as pointless and they have a spin-off version called Pointless Celebrities. I'm like, here we are with some pointless celebrities. And you win a pointless prize. And there's a man called Richard Osman who's very tall and he has all of the answers on a laptop. He is. He was on um, an episode of QI that I watched the other week. Um, I didn't realise how tall he was. He's like six foot seven. Somebody had made an art installation to do with making everyone the same height. Please tell me that he was on an episode with Sandy Toxvig. Uh, no, he was on an episode with Lucy Porter. Oh, she's tiny. Basically, everyone gets sort of block stilts to stand on so that you're the same height. I think they, they all ended up being the same height as Stephen Fry and Richard Osman had to duck. <laughs> but Lucy Porter's stilts are basically the height of her chair and Phil Jupiter's had to kind of hold her up on them. Number five... Well, it was on a list of quiz shows, but now I feel like I'm bottling out. I'm sorry, I haven't a clue. It's more a panel show than a quiz show, really. It is, yeah, it is. A, it is. Well, it's the antidote to panel shows. It's a game. It's games rather than quizzes. Yeah. You don't need any general knowledge. You just need a good but sense of fun. It's so brilliant that I think that transcends its. Um... And it's got fun. I mean, it's not a quiz show at all. I, I'm backpedaling like <laughs> I would on a bicycle because I can't ride a bicycle. There are rounds, there are questions, there is a host, there is a scorekeeper, lovely Samantha. Yeah, they, they, they keep score. It meets a lot of the criteria. Oh, I like Just a Minute. That's a game show. So those are my top five gamey panelly quiz shows. Mm, this quiz show is very gamey. Honourable mentions. Honourable mentions. Honourable mentions seems to move away from quiz shows into game shows. and There are just a lot of things that I want to talk about. Hole in the Wall, Nightmare, Crystal Maze, Gladiator, Supermarket Sweep. That's the top five of things I would do right now. If you came to my front... I'm still in my pyjamas. If you came to my front door and said we're going to do any of those five game shows, I'd, I'd go, I'm ready. Yeah. I don't need shoes. Actually, you probably do for running around a supermarket. Yeah, hole, hole in the Wall, it can in no way be qualified as a quiz show. But No, that was because I was looking on game shows. Very, yes, very, very entertaining. Hole in the Wall, I first encountered in a school assembly... 
because, and Lord knows why, somebody came in to talk to us about media and buying tele. It was originally just the Japanese version, so he showed us a clip of the Japanese game show, the original, and what it is, is it's people standing at the edge of a pool of water as a wall comes towards them and the wall has a shape cut out and they have to strike the pose to fit the shape so that the wall just passes over them and they don't get knocked backwards into the pool. And it's absolutely tremendous. And in the British version, they are, of course, wearing very shiny silver suits, spandex affairs. And if you have never seen one of the hairy bikers in a skin-tight silver shiny spandex suit get knocked into a pool, you haven't lived. Going back briefly to your introduction to this, the things that we get shown in assembly. Everyone has had that school assembly where a teacher pretends to eat dog food and it turns out to be chocolate mousse. But with a, a pedigree chum wrapper stuck to it. What's really weird is that that means that somebody... A teacher is at home going, oh, I've got all this marking to do. But firstly, I need to mock up this pedigree chum label onto a tin and of pudding. what I don't remember is what the moral of the story was. I think it was something to do with, like, judging by appearance. That's only because I have used my analytical adult brain to work out that, that could be the only... Th- I don't remember that. That's the only thing I can think that it would be relevant to because it's something that is not as it appears to be. Were you there when we were in primary school and we were in the middle of prayers and an owl flew into the sheet glass window? I hate to disappoint you, I think it was a pigeon, but it was amazing and there was a pigeon-shaped imprint on the window. Yes, that's why I think it's an owl, because of that weird powder that owls have on their feathers. So that picture that went round the internet where an owl had flown into a, a glass door and it left an owl print. Okay, I can see that it was a pigeon, but great times. You can't take prayers seriously when a pigeon has just flown thwack into a window no and we should point out the pigeon did sort of flap off it didn't like hit the window and then slide all the way down a, a two-story window and hit the ground in a tragic dear lords window please accident. take your pigeon brethren big fat quiz of the year early years yes the big fat quiz of the year is an annual quiz on channel four hosted by jimmy carr where three teams of celebrities answer questions on the news four of these celebrities will be great one of them will be fine and one of them will be the worst celebrity ever it's there's always just one really duff person the best year was when noel fielding and russell brand were on a team together as the goth detectives and noel fielding was wearing a cape that's a great year that was very entertaining wait wait don't tell me on npr which i listened to this morning it's like the american version of the news quiz but people ring in I have been listening to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me for approximately six months. And every single week, one of the answers is ISIS and one of the answers is Ebola. Usually the first question, that we've diverted funds to fight what? And it's either ISIS or Ebola. Every week. Okay, my final honourable mention is the pub quiz, as in the standard. Yes, I was thinking that just as a concept or a genre. And specifically, the quizzes that me and my friends ran amongst ourselves in V-Bar on campus circa 2009. We went through a phase where we would write quizzes for each other and the quiz master, you had to do three rounds and one of the rounds had to be on yourself. I like quizzes. I love a quiz. I would also like to put in as an honourable mention the work Christmas quiz because that's always fun and I usually win. What? What would your mastermind subject be? Well, it would have to be something that I would know a lot about. Uh... Oh, wow, so there's nothing that you know a lot about. Great. That silence says everything. 
narrowing it down. You see, I used to think that it would probably be something like Ali McBeal, but that would be, I wouldn't be prepared to go on Mastermind and answer questions on Ali McBeal. Because like when that's... Mylene Class went on and answered questions on Sex in the City, season two. Yeah, I mean, better than that. It would, it would probably be like a TV show or a book or so. It would probably be, a, it would be a pop culture thing. Okay, thanks for asking. Mine would be Dinner Ladies or The Mitfords. <laughs> yeah, okay. I think I actually already knew that as well, so I, I didn't know. And I was still thinking. Can I do my song? Maybe mine would be Due South. Can I do my song? Or Firefly. Can I do my song? What's your song? So my song is Welcome to New York by Taylor Swift. It was going to be Blank Space until about two days ago, but my allegiance has switched. I have been listening to this album approximately three times a day for the last week plus thank you my neighbours I hope you enjoy it and it's the best and I love the song Blank Space Blank Space is a very good song and I've been listening to that and now Welcome to New York and it's great and it sounds like the song that would play at the end of a TV pilot where somebody moves to the big city probably New York it'd be like oh no I, I'm gonna get the bus back to it's it's kind of like Unbreakable Kimmy she'd be like oh I'm gonna leave and then she decides to say and then instead of singing Hakuna Matata with Titus Pinot Noir they sing Welcome to New York. Pinot Noir, mid-sized car. Pinot Noir, Roseanne Barr. I mean, so as a follow-up, I think my uh, favourite song from 1989 is Style. Oh, that is the most wrong. What? No, the best songs are Blank Space, Welcome to New York, Shake It Off, All You Had to Do Was Stay, Are We Out of the Woods, and that one about, like, In Your Dreams or whatever. I like Shake It Off, Blank Space, and Style. That's, those are my top three. 1989 song no wildest dreams so what we'll do is we'll just delete all of the stuff we've done on our top five quiz shows and just do top five songs from 1989 yeah right my snack probably flapjacks yeah flapjacks didn't you do that like last week or something no that's cupcakes uh-huh. needle and fed needle and fed i've got loads i've got some as well baked lemon sponge and love a lemon sponge it made the 25p Lemon curd. Totally passable. Yay! I would have put Ooh. fresh cream in, but there is no way I can eat a whole cake in the short life of fresh cream. Oh no. So I had to put buttercream in instead. And frankly, I don't think it needed it. If I were to do it again, I would just put the lemon curd in. And I would probably buy slightly better lemon curd. Well, yeah. Jessica, you had flapjacks two episodes ago. Oh, did I? You had flapjacks in episode oh, 50, Rumbles yes, and yes, I did, because Nicola had made some. Okay, I scratched that. Um, I Yes, I thought maybe I'd had them before. I've had flapjacks before. Japanese pickles. You've definitely not had that before. Japanese pickles it is. The ones from Wagamama. That's my favourite of all the textures. It's like soft but crunchy at the same time. Gross. Like it has give, but then it crunches. Oh, Jesus. It's like the umami of the texture world. And then it tastes like umami. Okay. So lemon curd. Had that. Made another fish pie. Tremendous. Going to make a chicken prune and leek pie later. Can I just quickly revisit the uh, lemon sponge? Was there lemon in the sponge? Oh, yes. During which I learned that the zester in this house, totally insufficient. Grated peel, not peel. Yeah, peel of a lemon. And then the juice of half a lemon. And then I used the juice of the other half of said lemon in my Nutribullet the next day. That was too much lemon. That was very refreshing. That was too <laughs> refreshing. I was overly refreshed. And then there was just plain buttercream 
and lemon curd. And I don't know whether maybe I should have put lemon in the buttercream, but you don't want everything lemony. And also the scales turned off halfway through weighing the sugar into the buttercream, so I just had to make it up. And I just feel like the quantities weren't right. I always do buttercream by eye, to be honest. I just slough a few ingredients in a bowl. and I did it by taste, and in doing so, ate about a tonne of buttercream. There's not much left for the cake. Oh, it needs more sugar. Have you done any baking? Any food? Have you eaten? Yes, uh, what I made was flapjacks. Oh. Stick with me, my story gets better. What I did was I mixed up some flapjack mix. I the, the most practical thing I learned at school was how to make flapjacks. I don't know where that recipe is, so I got one from BBC Good Food, which was really tasty. Um, I mostly use it for the quantities because I could remember the method. Um, their method said pop everything in a food processor and then just put it in a pan and stick it in the oven. But don't blitz it too much because the oats will get all broken up. And I'm thinking, well, the oats will be broken up at all. It's too much. And this is the important bit. I don't have a food processor. So I just popped everything, all the um, the sort of syrup portion ingredients in a bowl, stuck it in the microwave, gave it a good stir, popped the oats in, put half of them in a pan, put in a layer of cherry pie filling, put the other half of the oats on top, popped it in the oven for a bit, took it out, Ate it. Crush, crush, crush. Yum, yum, yum. And then I put drizzled dark chocolate over it and put almonds on. So it's like a sort of chocolate cherry bakewell flapjack. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing is, I think I need to adjust both quantity of flapjack. Like the, the, the flapjack to filling ratio is not quite right. It needs more flapjack per can. But it needs more to sort of hold its shape. And also I think it needs to be cooked for a little bit longer because it's got that little bit more moisture. So it didn't really set that well. But it tastes amazing. Good. Like amazing. And when we finish recording, I'm going to have a cup of coffee and another slice of it. Yeah, I'm probably going to have lemon cake while I make my pie. Jessica! Jessica, Jessica. What have I been doing for the last 48 hours? Why, I tell you, I have been... I ask myself this on a daily basis. What has been Rosie been doing? I tweet a lot, so... That's right, I've been knitting. I've been learning to cable, and it's the easiest thing in the world. I have no idea why I was so terrified of it. I know, I always thought that, and then I made that super awesome hat. Yeah, and I thought, if Jessica can do this, I can definitely do this. What? What? I am knitting by Linda Mary on Ravelry. The Teddy Aaron sweater. That's right. I am making my Teddy Bear Rigby a lovely Aaron sweater. That is amazing. Look at those cables. I mean, this is not great radio, but the cables on that boy, bad boy, and it's got a double moss stitch. And um, so I've done, that's the back, and I've nearly, I'm doing the front, so I'm just dividing it up for the front now. Nearly done there, doing the things, and that splits off into a little V, and then you do the sleeves, just as a double moss, and then sew it all together. So probably by Tuesday, he should he should have a little sweater going on. Good job. This like is the it. thing with knitting, is that... I like it a lot. I because I need a lot of um, small things like baby clothes or you know teddy bears jumpers at the moment. I don't knit for a while and then I pick a project and I just knit it within six days and then I don't have a project. So what I really need to do is find something enormous and difficult. How's that lace work going for you? Everybody shut their mouths. Yes. So now that I've done this, I think it's time to get back into that cardigan. Although I maintain that the problem with that is the wool and not me. But yes, how cute is this? I mean, Rigby, you're going to look so sweet. Slight problem with the pattern, although it is, it does list itself as being suitable for Build-A-Bear Bears, which Rigby is. The jumper is slightly too long, and it goes over his tail. So oh. his tail is either going to be folded over, or the jumper is going to be slightly rucked up. So maybe I need to... Put a buttonhole in it for his tail to stick out of. Okay, yeah, but I can't do that now. Scissors? So I've been knitting loads. It's great. 
you're all welcome. And um, with the iPad, that is an invention that yep, has been made. I've heard of it. I can read and knit because if you you can't have a book open and knit, but I've been reading mainly pocket things. But if I were to read from my Kindle app on my iPad, you can have that propped on your knees and you just switch the page by tapping the screen. So that's really easy to knit and yeah, read. That's cool, yeah. Obviously, you can't do that with you can't hold a book open. So the reading is fine. It's the actual practicalities. So I, I cleared a little bit of my my pocket articles and did something in bed yesterday. Oh, very good. That sounds lovely. Oh, and you know my thing about how I was watching a film a day? Yes. How's that panning out for you? Yeah, pack that in. Because I did this. I said I was watching Bones on the podcast. Stop doing that. I said I was doing a film a day. It's too much. Uh, you know what else was added to Netflix that you'll really enjoy? Relative Values. What's Relative Values? It is an old cow play that I went to see in the theatre uh, earlier last year. I that knew I that rang a bell. It has Julie Andrews and Colin Firth and Janine Triplehorn and one of the Baldwins. Um, Which one? Because there is a clear ranking. I want to say William. Oh, and Stephen Fry. Stephen Fry and Sophie Thompson. And it's very, very funny. Excellent. And it's only 88 minutes long. Oh, that's my favourite thing to hear. What have we seen seen this week? What have have we seen seen this week? week? Hey, I, as I said, have been watching Scrap Heap Challenge reruns on the television channel Quest. And I watched that of an afternoon with a cup of tea. And for the past two days... A hot scone. What was his name? A hot scone. Yes, I've got jam on my bed sheets. <laughs> of course you have. Because I'm an adult. So I watched that. And to tie in, a new series of Great Canal Journeys with Timothy West and Prunella Scales has started on Channel yes, 4. I saw that was odd. I meant to text you. That is uh, broadcast on a Sunday evening. And Scrap Heap Challenge was originally broadcast on Sunday tea times in the time team slot. Time team tea time. On Sunday afternoons. Um, we watched it a lot in the 90s and noughties. So I would like to recommend creating nostalgic Sunday afternoon tea time viewing whenever you like. But Great Canal Journeys is on, really, on a Sunday, but it's slightly later, and, and that, that that's fine. So have a big pot of tea. It's on for... Uh, OD. OD, thank you. I was going on demand. Catch up. 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 So that's what I have been doing. I have been recreating Sunday tea times of my youth. That's nice. I'm I'm done. We managed to record an, for an hour. A lot of that was drivel in the middle, though. That's a little village I live in. Oh, wait, we should say goodbye. Yes. Thank you for listening. I'm off to prepare a Sunday lunch before a Sunday tea time. Hooray. Ooh, that sounds very nice. Yes. I might do some washing up. I think that's what my near future holds for me. Exciting for you. And then maybe some quilting. Ah. And then I'm going to go to work, but never mind. Goodbye, Jessica. I will see you next Sunday for Easter Sunday lunch. Goodbye, Rosie. I will see you next Sunday when I arrive for Sunday lunch. Goodbye, listeners. Please don't come to Sunday lunch. We haven't got enough chairs. Good God, no. We haven't even got enough tables at the moment. To find out more, you can read show notes to this and all of our episodes at our website, rosieandjessica.co.uk. You can email us at say hello to rosieandjessica at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at the Day of Fun Show. Don't forget that you can subscribe, leave reviews, and listen to all of our previous episodes on iTunes. We'll see you soon. Peanut!